Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to GC Live Afternoon Drive. It is February 22nd, 2024, and as you can see, intern Joe is with us today. I've been under the weather the last couple of days. I feel like absolute crap, but there's been so much going on with Gamecock football these last couple of days, just like it's been what it feels like these last couple months. It feels like there's no off days this offseason for the Gamecocks. That we had to we had to get back on somehow. So I'm going to battle through. Intern Joe's going to take the uh, the wheel for most of the show, um, so you don't have to listen to a sick guy just talk the whole time. But having said that, Joe, yeah. having said that, you had an opportunity, and I know it was done on Tuesday. You did the, the show, and I appreciate they filled in on Tuesday for the GC Live show. Mm-hmm. You had a chance to listen to Tony uh, Sean Elliott. I had a chance to be able to go back and listen to some of the things he had to say as I was not there on Tuesday. And I think what's just evident, what's just evident is that this man truly wants to be here, truly wants to be here. And I bring that up because on quick slants today, if you're not a subscriber, head on over to GC, subscribe for $1 for the first month for Gamecock Central. The thing that I wrote about today is that if you look at it, because I, I get it. It's a feel-good story. Feel-good story. But just for the sake of conversation, if you look at it from a school X and school Y, right? School X being Georgia State in this case, school Y being South Carolina. The fact that he left, left two days into spring practices, it's not really upsetting as many people as I thought. Now, obviously, one of the big reasons why I think that is the case. Simply put, he has family here in South Carolina. But he has he's not the only coach that has done this this offseason. We've seen group five coaches, head coaches, move on up. One from Buffalo, one from, I believe, South Alabama. Again, you can head on over and check out the story on Gamecock Central. In addition to that, We've seen some movement with Power 5 head coaches. Jeff Halfley left the Eagles just days before National Signing Day a few weeks ago to become the defensive coordinator for the Packers. That led to Bill O'Brien, who was the Ohio State offensive coordinator for a whopping, what, just over two weeks and change. Yeah. He ends up leaving, goes to Boston College, and Chip Kelly ends up leaving UCLA as a head coach to become the OC over at Ohio State. So I bring this stuff up because I I hate it for the kids at Georgia State. There's no question that it just sucks. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. Again, just looking at it from Team X, Team Y. Take South Carolina out of the equation. It sucks for those kids. Spring football now is um, – it's pushed back, right? That's postponed. The spring game is postponed. And yet I keep thinking to myself, what else could have Sean Elliott done? I mean, this is where he wants to be. This is where his family is. Yep. So that's why I can't fault this guy in comparison to maybe some of the others. The only thing that, again, the only thing that really sucks is the fact that you had spring practices already beginning. But for all these other schools, spring practices were going to start up anyway. So I say that, Joe, because in a perfect world, what can we do in college football to help find some type? Because this isn't the NFL. In college football, 
you really don't have true windows for coaching moves. It's it's like the wild, wild west. Yeah, Mike. I mean, it really is. And, you know, it's unfortunate for the players at Georgia State, right? Um, because, you know, Coach Elliott made a decision for him and his family. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say it's it's the right one, right? Anybody would want to come home to their family and college football, just kind of the way it is nowadays. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate with the way that players are leaving these, you know, lower programs to go play, you know, at the power five schools as soon as they get show a hint of, of growth or potential. Um, but that's just the way it is now. Right. And and so people, you either adapt or die. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, Coach Elliott's decision to leave Georgia State comes down to, like Mike said, and like we've rehashed on all the Gamecock Central live shows, you know, it, it's about his family. Right. You know, and, and there's a there's a peace of mind in that that you really can't let slip, especially when, you know, your kids are growing up in high school and then also, you know, going off to college soon eventually. So they're right at that age when you need to be at home, need to be there. Um, and so the commute, obviously. It, it weighs on you and it was weighing on coach Elliott. So, you know, it's good to get him four back hours. in Columbia. Obviously I four think it's hours. four hours from Atlanta. There about four hours, just under four yeah. hours. If you hit that Atlanta traffic, but I mean, you're talking about eight hours for a round trip And Joe. I, I see Robert say it's, it's just a matter of bad, bad timing. And I see yeah. the other Robert, Robert, Doug, Robert short says that. And then Robert Doug Hills brings up, he could have resigned after the season. Maybe. Robert, are you talking about this upcoming season, the 2024 season, or the 2023 season? Just want to make sure I, I understand you correctly because, I mean, we can look at it both ways, right, Joe? I mean, if he resigned yeah. at the 2023, at the, at the end of the, this past season, no one would have, you know, no one would have uh, just assumed that the tight end position would have been open. I mean, think of the musical chairs that took place. All right. Thank you, Robert. It says 2023. Yeah. Think of the musical chairs that took place in order to get oh, to this absolutely. point, right? I mean, think about it. Yeah. Jody Wright was the tight ends coach. Well, what happens? There was some movement, right? Murray State job opens. And this is how it always is when we're talking about the coaching carousel. Yeah. But because of that, that opened up a position for Jody Wright to become the head coach at Murray State. From there... South Carolina, they want to be able to bring in James um, Coley, bring Coley in, and what happens? They move Justin Step over to tight ends coach. Step, as we've said it before, it's been on Gamecock Central. He he wanted to coach wide receivers. That's what it came down to. He wanted to coach wide receivers. If he couldn't find the best fit for him this offseason, then it very likely would have been this upcoming one after the 2024 season. And if you've been paying attention to Gamecock Central, you would be aware that even going back to the end of the 2022 season, there there was speculation. And I could tell you there was speculation even in that building yeah, as to whether or not Step wanted to return for the 2023 season. So this goes on even before yeah. the movement took over. To t- so I say that because, I mean, oh. look, the way that things work now in college football, and I say now, I mean, obviously players can leave it up, but what there's, there's not a perfect time because like you said, this job opened up literally at the last minute. That's just the new norm. Yeah. It's the new norm. And it was, or go ahead. No, you go ahead, Joe. 
All right. And well, so one of the stories that like I, I we didn't get to ask Coach Beamer. I, I don't know why it slipped my mind. I, I thought of it like after, you know, um, you know, Coach Beamer, you know, had, had hit the podium. But like this search was very quick. You know, it happened very quickly. Um, so I don't know, like the, the, the process of all this. And, and you know, you could tell like how happy or how quickly it happened. Like both coaches were ready to go. Right. Like, you know, they were all they know it's the offseason. Anything can happen. Like. And that's just the new norm, right? Mike, well, like, you know, you know, the resigning at the end of the 2023 season, there is no out. real formality anymore. He said he called. He said he reached out to Shane and said, hey, I yeah. want to throw my 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 hat into the mix. And if you're Shane Beamer and you get that phone call, 1,000% you're going to take it. And obviously, I've seen yeah. the comments, Justin, and you're not alone. I mean, there's so many people. Robert says, you know, what a time to be a Gamecock, Robert Short. Justin Thomas says, we know what Elliot brings to the table. Last Friday. I, re- I talked to about probably about a dozen former Gamecock football players. We're talking about Connor Shaw, Marcus Lattimore, Ace Sanders, Mike Matulis, former Gamecock captain. I mean, just keep going down the list. Steven Garcia, Pat DeMarco. There's no doubt that there is excitement because they know what he's going to bring to the table. But I think the other part of it, it too, Joe, is – Losing a guy like Pete Lembo, a guy that brought 15 years of head coaching experience when he arrived at South Carolina, you lose that. You lose that. And while they have brought in some very talented coaches this offseason, some very impressive resumes, being able to bring in someone else who understands what it's like to sit in that head coaching chair that you can be able to pick his brain a little bit because guess what? Lembo's not there anymore. And I'm not saying Shane Beamer was so dependent on Pete. I don't want that to, you know, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But my whole point is it is very beneficial when you have someone that understands the ins and outs of being a head coach. And for Sean Elliott, not only does he understand what the expectations are at South Carolina because, well, he's been an assistant here. He grew up in the state. He was the interim head coach for half the season when Steve Spurrier stepped down in 2015. But on top of it all, he comes back now with seven years of head coaching experience. Seven years. So we heard a little bit of it. I wrote up about it yesterday on Gamecock Central. I think being able to bring him in outside of all the X's and O's just to have someone that you can replace in a sense the best way you can because there's only one true Pete Lemon. There's only one Pete Lembo. Let's call it for what it is. And although positionally, position coaching wise, they're not the same positions, just having that guy that was a head coach, I think that's just extremely beneficial to not just the program, but especially Shane Beamer. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you want a guy like Sean Elliott who's won at South Carolina, right? He he knows what success looks like at South Carolina. I think that's the biggest thing with this hire. Um, and, you know, to have him coach tight ends. And, and also, Mike, I think one thing that, you know, we were passing up was, you know, he is the run game coordinator as well. And that, that goes with anybody on this offensive staff. They are, you know, they're in place to help Dowell Loggins if need be with play calling and stuff like that. So, that's a very big deal. Um, and then, you know, obviously his experience at the offensive line um, is going to help with the tight ends and blocking and then the pass patterns as well. He's coached tight ends. That was actually his first job 
with App State coaching tight ends. Um, so that was a very big deal. Um, and then also, like I, again, the run game coordinator stuff, they're they're going to get involved, right? I think everyone on this offensive coaching staff has an input in the offense. I think that was the design for it, right? Because when you have one guy calling the plays the whole time and, and without any input from the staff, you get a little stagnant. You get you can get complacent with what works. So I think everyone, it, it's all hands on deck, right? Everyone on this staff has called plays before to, to an extent, right? So um, I think what they're doing with Sean Elliott is, is a great hire. It's a great way to fill the gap that you needed in that tight end room. Um, and then, you know, it's for now, like, right, Mike? I mean, the, the coaching staff is solidified. You have everyone in the building. You're ready to start spring football. Um, and then obviously, you know, shout out to Coach Beamer too for starting it a little late as well. You know, he, you know, because it's he. I guess you know he kind of foresaw that the off season is just you know getting a little bit longer. There's more changing and stuff like that. So uh, you know, it, it winds up working out. So now you have your full staff, full team, everyone ready to go for spring football. Yeah, and, and Robert Short brings up you know a good point. Says Mike, you have to also look back to what Sean Elliott did during the glory days. Look at how his schemes opened up. Uh, the QB run for Shaw and how the running backs went off then. What I think what I think people need to remember is, yes, he's the run game coordinator. He's going to be working with the tight end. You still have Lonnie Teasley coaching the offensive line, and you have some talented offensive linemen in that room this upcoming season. We've talked about it. From, from a depth standpoint, it is night and day different, and not just depth. When we talk about depth, anytime we talk about depth on this program, when we talk about on GC Live, we're talking about proven depth. We're not just talking about, and I don't want to disrespect any players, but I mean, let's just call it for what it is. We're not talking about some raggedy in, you know, and you're filling up, all right, you got 10 spots on the rock. No, we're talking about proven depth, proven depth. They have a lot of proven depth this year. So I say that because I think Lonnie's going to do some really good things this upcoming year. Last year, last year, Lonnie was put into a situation where it was lose-lose. I mean, whoever was put in that spot, I mean, I'm thankful Greg Atkins was not coaching the offensive line last year because regardless of who was coaching the O-line because of the number of injuries, it was going to be a disaster. Now, I felt like South Carolina, with everything that they dealt with injury-wise, at times they still were able to make things happen, and some of that obviously has to do with the playmaking ability of Spencer Rattler, his knowledge, uh, Dow Loggins as well, being able to make adjustments as the season went on based on some of the weaknesses they had, you know, have to be able to, you know, get punched in the face and then you got to go back and figure out, okay, how do we, how do we fix things? Right. So I think with Lonnie, what he's going to be able to do is he's going to be able to develop a tremendous rapport with Sean Elliott. And I think if anything, we've talked about this before, having, having the amount of proven depth, and talent in that running back room. And whether it be Lenore Sellers or whoever the hell it is at quarterback, yeah, you're going to need to rely on the run a good bit this year. Wide receivers, you brought some talented wide receivers in, but at the same time, too, I'm not going to hold my breath that every single one of them is going to turn into to, to be an absolute stud here. I think that's extreme wishful thinking, and that's not trying to be a hater or anything like that. It's just calling it for what it is. I mean, you look over the last couple of years, not every player is going to be a home run pickup. I mean, that's just the reality of it for one reason or another. Some of it doesn't even have to do from a talent standpoint. Sometimes they're just not able to pick up the playbook, whatever the case may be. 
So in a perfect world, yeah, every receiver South Carolina brought in this offseason, they're going to be able to be absolute studs. And it's not even about the receivers that they're bringing in. It's about the guys that are coming back too, right? I mean, you look at a guy like Luke Doty and Nicholas Harbour. We've said this many times in this show. Those two wide receivers are your most productive returning wide receivers from last year's USC team. You have some young, talented guys in that room who were freshmen last year, guys who are hungry, guys who I think can take that next step. Some guys didn't really even play at all last year or didn't play at all. But then you had some guys like Tyshawn Russell who did some good things. There's going to be some guys that are going to be able to take some steps forward. But I think, again, going back to it, being able to have someone like Elliott working with Lonnie Teasley, I think it's only going to help. And if anything, if anything, and this is, you know, putting the cart in front of the horse a little bit, but I've been seeing so many people, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I've been seeing so many people, even going back towards the end of last season, get all worked up how they want to see a fullback in the backfield more. Now, look, obviously the game has changed a lot within even the last 10 years. Uh, you, you don't see as much fullbacks used. There's always outliers. You'll see some schools continue to use it, but it's not the majority of the, the teams in the country. It's not a staple of their offense anymore. Having said that, having said that, you have a guy like, Sean Elliott coaching tight ends. I mean, shoot. And I think Big Red, good to have you on, Big Red. Big Red says, could see a tight end, put in motion, more blockers. Yep. I mean, we saw that a little bit too with Nate Atkins a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Right? He'd come in motion. When it comes down to more than anything, we could talk about different schemes. And I'm all for it. I love talking different schemes. The problem is, unless you have the bodies, number one, but number two, the players who are capable of doing that, then you can't do it. Having a guy like Sean Elliott, they'll be able to teach these guys up, whether it be one of the tight ends, whether it be, I don't know, maybe it's one of these running backs. I mean, they, they got some talented running backs in there, but they also have some running backs with some size on them too. Now, it obviously takes a unselfish guy to – Want to get in there at fullback? It could I mean, shoot. And I say fullback. I mean, you can get creative, right? Imagine having Rocket Sanders back there and then Oscar lined up at fullback on a play or vice versa or whatever the case may be. You have two talented running backs on the field at once who not only have speed but power. You can get really creative out there. But on top of that, like I said, you have the ability to motion some tight ends. I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked to see South Carolina start to use a fullback a little bit more. Again, I don't want people to think, oh, Mike's saying that they're going to be coming out fullback every – no, no, no. Slow down. No. But I think what we're going to see is if – and it comes down – if they feel like they can do it. And Oscar Attaway Jr. is saying, damn right. If they if they I feel like that is in their best interest. Because like, like I keep saying, you have a, you're going to have a young quarterback out there. You need to have wide receivers create separation. There's so many question marks about that wide receiver room. And even though there's talent in there, until we actually see it, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. 
Yes. The one thing that you do know is that we do know is they have good running backs, and they have a physical tight ends coach, and they have more proven depth on the offensive line. What does that tell you? What they should do? They should be a run heavy team. I'm not saying they got to run the football seventy freaking times a game. I'm not saying they got to be like Air Force or crying out loud. I know that's that number is probably up to 85 percent. You know, run pass. So yeah. you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, Mike, it tells you you need to run the damn football, right? I think that's going to be part of the identity of this team. Last year's rushing performance, I'm assuming, left a sour taste in many. Like, you you can't run the ball like you did last season in the SEC and, and win more than five games, right? Like, it's 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 hard to do, right, when you have no run game at all. So it's it's obviously a very big focus on this offseason to kind of re reimagine, reinvigorate the run game, if you will. And then obviously the, the backs that you brought in, Rocket, Oscar Attaway, um, Jawar Howell, then you also have Juju in there. Fully restocked running back room with two tight ends that can really block. I'm interested to see how Brady Hunt can block. We know he's good in space. Big, big, big boy um, there in the tight end room. Um, and then Josh Simon as well, really, really good blocker. And then you have all these freshmen in the Great Wall of Carolina coming back are coming up through the ranks and then you have tree and throw coming up through the ranks as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You've got a couple of vets in that O-line room too as well. Um, but running the football is going to be very key, right, Mike? And I think, you know, this Dowell Loggins offense, we've only seen maybe 25% of what it, what it could be right last season. It was, it was more of a personnel based on, on what they had. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, this year, now that Dowell has a lot more options, He's going to be able to, you know, run more out of the offense. Um, when you have more options, you're going to you're going to be doing, you know, more stuff in general. But you know, when you have a run game that opens up so much more, and then potentially with Lenore Sellers, you know, you add the, the quarterback being able to take off and run in the middle of all that too. So that's big. And then I mean, I think you also have running backs in this room that could also, you know, play fullback, not necessarily like true fullback, you know, go block every time, but like can can you know, run in the I form if you need him to, right? Um, these guys are big. They can block. And then, you know, like we've talked about with Oscar Attaway um, on, on, on this program, and then we asked him on, on at media days too, um, pass blocking is such a big thing for these running backs. And so it's whoever's going to be able to pass block is going to see the field first, get the most reps. But I also think too, Mike, like, you know, being able to run the football and being able to run block as well is going to be a sneaky trait for these running backs to have. Yeah, one thing I do want to bring up, I know Martin asked the question a couple minutes ago. Martin asked, so is Dow Loggins or Sean Elliott going to decide whether to run or pass on a certain play? End of the day, Dow Loggins is the offensive coordinator. So he'll be making the final call on what they're doing. But I think being able to have an extra set of eyes, basically what this job does is it gives Sean Elliott the ability to do a little bit more than just coach tight ends. Yep. And when you have someone that has coached the last seven years as a head coach at a, at a group five school mm-hmm. and look, they did some good things last year. They bounced back. I know South Carolina played them a couple of years ago and things didn't go the way that they wanted it to go. When I say they, I'm talking Georgia state, but you know, look, he he's going to come here and he's going to be able to bring a hell of a lot more to the table than your average tight ends coach. And that's no disrespect to any of the tight ends coach is that have been at South Carolina over the last couple of years. Cause there's been some pretty damn good ones, but he's going to be able to bring something because of his background of being a head coach. 
at the collegiate level for nearly a decade. That's going to be extremely beneficial to this program. What else we got here? It is going to be all hands on deck, Mike, though. And and I I mean, obviously, Elliot's going to be the, the guy for the run game, but, you know, all, yep. all coaches are. You yeah, know, I like, mean, I bottom bottom line. Bottom line is Sean. Sean's going to be Sean's going to be a tremendous, tremendous um, person for Dal to be able to bounce ideas off of. And I think if anything, I think if anything, when you have a guy like Elliot coaching tight ends, obviously his passion is being able to coach the offensive line. I say that I'm, he's a he's a football guy. He's a football coach. He's been around the game for so friggin' long. I think he's been coaching for, I mean, it's just around 25 years, if not a little bit longer. I think it was like 97, something like that. So I say that because if you had to plug him into any position, hey, we need you to coach this, you need you to coach that, he'll be able to do it. But I think being able to have someone at that position, it's going to be able to connect kind of like in a triangle way that he's going to be able to help connect the offensive line to the tight ends, tight ends to the running backs. Like we always hear, okay, you know, the running backs and offensive line, they work inside, inside drills during practice, inside periods. And now you get the tight ends involved a little bit more. And Sean can explain these things a little bit better understand having already know already knowing what the offensive line is doing instead of just say okay this is what we're doing he's gonna be able to say all right this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it and to me when you're able to do that as a coach and I think back to even my my playing days I had different coaches who I played for I went through a coaching change change can suck sometimes but it also can be the best thing ever, whether it be a positional coaching change, whether it be a head coaching change. Shout out Bob Chesney. But th- the thing about it is when you go through a change, it can be scary at first. But you're seeing all this positivity from former players. It's going to make the players say, hey, OK, I want to learn from this guy. And when he can go that extra mile, though, like I said, show them and explain why we're doing it which I know he will because he's a he was a head coach. Yeah. He's going to be no, so I, attention to detail and I think that's going to be tremendous and I think that's again it's it's ironic because a month ago give or take I'm losing track of time here. So a couple of weeks ago whenever Justin Sepp was the tight ends coach for whatever how many couple of weeks. It's it, what is funny is we were sitting here talking about how much Justin Stepp was going to impact the tight end room as far as being able to help them grow from a passing standpoint, right? Get the passing game going. That's not to say that Sean Elliott can't do that. I just feel like he has kind of like an MO, right? There is a, when we think of Sean Elliott, we think of, okay, running the football, ground and pound. And like you mentioned, I mean, he coached at App State as a tight ends coach, Joe. Yeah. Absolutely. No, so I, I, Big Red's question, I wonder if being a head coach changes the way you approach being a position coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, I mean, we looked at it. South Carolina has been, you know, kind of hiring to that too as well. I mean, you brought in Freddie Kitchens for that season as well. All that experience. Um, so it absolutely. You've heard Lembo. You know, this brings perfect up example, too. Joe. Yeah, Joe, exactly. perfect example. All the time, all the time. And so, you know, for him to take the job as a special teams coordinator, um, you know, coming from you know being a head coach before in in his past, yeah, he saw the position you know differently. And special teams was one of those where it was really unique too, because we really saw that attention to detail from being a head coach really play out. So, absolutely, big red. Yeah. And when you mentioned Lumbo, and I, I get it, Lumbo is not here anymore. I don't want to get so yeah. uh, caught up talking with it because some, some people get, you know, I'll touchy with it. Did but, have a big impact. But when we look at that, I mean, look, Lumbo came over here again, 15 years of head coaching experience. And when you're the special teams coordinator slash associate head coach, which was his role, your job is to be able to get to know everybody. And he was able to do that to a T. And that's the reason why they were able to have as much success as they did from a special team standpoint to the point where they go from being the number one rated special teams efficiency team. All right. Number one for special teams efficiency in 2022 to last year. Right. We all hold them to a higher standard. And it's not like they played awful on special teams last year, but in comparison to what they did the first two years, naturally, and I'm sure Lumbo and Beamer would be the first two to tell you as well. They expected to do more on special teams. And that's okay. When you want to not just be one of the best, but be the best in the country, in whatever you do, in this case, special teams, then that's what it takes. That's what you're, you're aiming for each and every year. So, yeah, I mean, Sean's going to be able to bring a lot to the table um, in that regard as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. And, you know, again, I think the biggest part of this hire is just, you know, him seeing the winning at South Carolina, right? Being here for that, seeing what, you know, South Carolina at, at the top of their game looks like. Um, you need as many of those people in the building as you can get, right? And I think, you know, somebody with the resume of Sean Elliott, it's, it was a no-brainer, Mike. So, Michael, I see your comment. It says, I think Elliott could be next up for the O-line coach if Teasley doesn't get uh, the unit turned around this year. The only thing I would say to that, and I'm not saying the theory, right? God forbid, right? Things yeah. could happen, right? It, it doesn't even have to be Teasley um, gets, they move on from them. Another opportunity could pop up, whatever the case may be. But what I would tell fans, because I'm sure you're not the only one that is thinking this way. I'd also say, let's give Teasley an opportunity. Let's give him a chance. Because last season, Again, it didn't matter who your offensive line coach was last year. With the number of injuries that happened, I don't know. Shoot, I don't know who could have no. fixed that. I agree. Yeah, Mike. No, and this one's tough, right? Because I think that's why I said Greg Atkins. Job. That's why I yeah. said if Greg Atkins was still the offensive line coach, my God, yeah. half this fan base would have been freaking running out there with their uh, pitchforks. Yeah. That's the whole point. Like you insert, okay, Coach A, Coach B, Coach C, whatever the, the coach's name is in the offensive line last well, they, year. They've done a pretty darn matter. good job recruiting, right? That's that's the big yes. thing. When you when you can't when you when all of your guys are hurt, the least you can do is recruit and golly have have Greg Adkins and Lonnie Teasley recruited some studs. And now granted, we, we gotta wait and see how they develop them, but 
I mean, to get the two top rated, two of the three top rated offensive linemen in the state. Are you kidding? Yep. But Michael, to your point, and I re- and I really like yeah. what Lonnie's doing. And I've had a chance to talk to Lonnie a little bit off off camera this off season. I'll say this: that last season, obviously, again, there's things that were well out of his control, well out of his control. Mm-hmm. He learned a lot from last season, and. I think if anything, this guy is going to be ready to go that God forbid, if something like this happens again, you pray to God, it doesn't happen. You pray to God that you don't see. It. I mean, think about it a couple of years ago from a quarterback standpoint, Beamer's first year musical chairs at QB because of the number of injuries that took place there. So I think, I, I think as far as Lonnie is concerned, let's just give him an opportunity to, see how he can do things this year. He's got some talented pieces, as Joe mentioned. They've done a tremendous job of recruiting, not just on the offensive line, but the defensive line. Very excited to see what Lonnie can do this year, especially having Sean Elliott right next to him, coaching the tight ends and how they're able to play off of each other. Daniel Johnson, dang, $9.99. Go get yourself a family dinner somewhere for that. Maybe, I don't know, not these days. I don't know, back in the day, you could probably go through like a fast food drive through and uh, fast food drive through and be able to get, you know, a bucket of chicken or whatever, you know, a couple hamburgers, some fries. Now, nine ninety nine. I mean, shoot, that will pay a month of HBO or something. I don't know. Uh, it's going towards my salary somewhere. I think the intern Joe leveled up, I think. Um, so Daniel says. Who do y'all think will be our surprise players of the year for offense and defense? Um, Mike, do you, or I, I can take that first. Yeah, go first. Um, I'm, I'm not. This is definitely not, like not because you know Oscar Attaway Jr. is all, like on the stream with us, but I, I, I do think Oscar Attaway is going to be one of the surprise players offensively. Um, you know, he's gonna they're they're, they're going to have to run a two back set with Rocket. He's going to get his touches, and you know he's going to be that explosive number two back um, in this offense. I also think Brady Hunt um, could surprise some people, um, you know, playing with Josh Simon. We saw how easy it was for Trey Knox. Um, and, and Trey Knox brought up Josh Simon along. I'm expect, um, expecting a similar, you know, vibe between the two guys playing together. Uh, you know, so Brady Hunt, Oscar Attaway. And then, I mean, I think, you know, the sleeper in in the wide receiver room, look out for Gage Larvidane, uh, the kid from mm. Miami of Ohio. He's, you know, he's brings in a lot of experience and a lot of speed coming in from the Mac. Um, so those are my, I guess I gave you three, but surprise players on offense. Um, and then, yeah, I got to go to defense too. Defense is going to be tough. I mean, cause you're, you're returning a lot of veteran guys. Um, I think, you know, later on in the year, I think we'll start to see Dylan Stewart. I don't know if that's, that's much of a surprise. I think Kyle Kennard will be one of the guys, um, mm-hmm. JT gear in the defensive end room, that will be surprising. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of the defensive backfield, I think Debo Williams, you know, Nicky Minwari, you'll you'll see a lot of, you know, similar or familiar faces in the defensive backfield this year. So if I had to pick a surprise guy on defense, it would either be – it would probably be Kyle Kennard on defensive end, the, the, the transfer from Pitt. So I did a breakdown over the weekend, three transfer players to watch on the offensive side and the defensive side. And I know that wasn't specifically your question. But I think with what you mentioned, Joe, I mean, shoot. Um, I covered a lot there, sorry. Attaway, Attaway was one that I included. Jared Brown is one that I included. 
Um, Torricelli Simpkins is also another one I, I, I added in there. By the way, by the way, Joe, what is going on with this year's roster? I feel like there's more players on this year's team that are the thirds. Like if you go back and look at the roster, yeah. there's a lot of thirds on this team. A lot of there thirds. Are. A lot there of are. thirds. Continuing to keep the name proud in the family. But back to the question at hand. One player, and I'm going to say surprised because I feel like naturally with Dylan Stork coming in, Naturally, with Dylan Stork coming in, as well as some of the production that was done at the edge position with Brian Thomas Jr., and even a guy like Kyle uh, Kennard coming in, I feel like one player that is being slept on this offseason, and I say slept on because as soon as I bring up the name, I think it's people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I can see him, too. but he's not being talked about. Like, when you have a conversation, no one's mentioning his name right away, and to me, that's Desmond Umiozulu. Desmond yeah. played in all 12 games last year. His friggin' yep. arms. I mean, he's like that guy in the Spurs, Wimby. You know, I mean, he just sticks his arms out. He could probably, if he sat in this chair, he could probably touch both sides of the room. I feel like he is somebody that is going to have a phenomenal year this year. And I think the other part of it is South Carolina is going to be able to rotate more guys in at edge. This year, yeah, they're going to be able to have guys that they can trust a little bit more. And what happens when you're able to do that? Fresher legs, you're going to be able to put more pressure on the quarterback. So, to me, I would say defensively, Desmond Umiozulu, simply because I just I just don't feel like he's being talked about nearly enough. Um, I also threw you know the transfers. You guys can head on over and check out the guys I put. But I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Uh, Torricelli was one guy like I mentioned. I put on there. He's one of those guys that making the jump up from FCS, I think it may surprise some people. To me, it shouldn't. You saw what Nick Arjulo was able to do. Nick Arjulo, despite what half of Gamecock social media wanted to tell you otherwise, Gargiulo had a had a pretty good year, all things considered. And I say all things considered, the injuries, not just to himself, but the offensive line having to play like eight different positions – Guess what? Nick Gargiulo was invited to the NFL Combine. So for anyone that, you know, wants to dispute, oh, you know, he had a good, he had a bad year. All right, have fun. He's going to be at the NFL Combine. So I bring that up to simply say, see, I had some yeah. pasta for Selly for $9.99 last night. Um, Mike, I do have one more player uh, on the ooh. defensive end. Also similar, similar no-brainer type. I don't know how I kind of forgot him. I had him in the back of my mind, forgot to say him. But Bam Martin Scott, I think he's ready to make that that leap. Um, you know, him and Debar are going to terrorize some backfields. I think he'll be. Yep, I think he'll yep. be one of those starters this year. I mean, yeah. if you've done, and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend heading over to Gamecock Central. You can go into the forum on Gamecock Central on the Insiders Forum, and it is one of the sticky posts for those of you that aren't members of Gamecock Central. Because the members are like, all right, I know what you're talking about, Mike. For those of you that aren't subscribers, head on over. Again, just $1 for the first month. With everything coming up with football starting in just a couple weeks for spring football, on top of both the men and women's basketball teams trying to finish their seasons off strong and make a push for postseason play, as well as baseball just starting their season and everything else in between with Gamecock Athletics, you can get it all right here. 
But we've been doing a early breakdown of every position with every player who is currently on scholarship. And we have special teams, safety, cornerback slash nickel, linebacker, wide receiver, running back, QB, D-tackle, edge, O-line, tight end. We have everything. We have everything there. And Joe mentioned, Joe mentioned Bam. Bam appeared in 10 games last year in South Carolina. Started in three. He finished with 38 tackles, racked up at least 10 tackles in the uh, two of the final three games of the year. Think about that. He had 38 tackles. And in two of the final three games, he had at least 10. So I, I think, and people don't want to, people don't want to hear this. People don't want to hear the reality of it. When Pup Howard decided to leave South Carolina, did going back home play a role with it? Absolutely. Were there other factors that played a role in it? Absolutely. Was NIL one of them? No. Was playing time and knowing that he was going to be a starter and wanting to, I wouldn't say specifically start, but playing more. Maybe he felt like he should have been a starter. Yes. Yeah. Those factored in. So, okay, Debo's coming back. There was a period of time, whether some of you are aware of this or not, that that Debo was actually thinking about entering his name into the NFL draft. He wanted to see what his draft rate would be. And he decided to come back. When you have that combined with the fact of what Bam was able to do towards the end of last season, I feel like the writing was on the wall. Yeah. So I, I say that, Joe, because, look, you have two talented linebackers right there. And as we stated last year, with this team and multiple positions. We talked about edge. We talked about deep tackle. We talked about, I mean, shoot, you, you name a position on defense, maybe outside of safety. They just didn't have the proven depth to be able yep. to rotate guys as much. D tackle. Mm, I mean, as the season went on and now as we look back after this year, there's some guys that took that next step that make me feel more comfortable about next season. But when you look at it and you look at that linebacker room, starting with those two in particular, and there's other guys too. Mo Kaba. Mo Kaba, whatever you're able to get from Mo Kaba, in my opinion, that's the cherry on top. I pray yep. that Mo Kaba is able to come back and just be even half of what we remember him to be. Yeah. I, 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 so that, I mean, the fact that he's gone through this the last two years with knee injuries, God bless that young man. But if you're able to just get something out of him on top of the two guys, like I mentioned, Debo, and Bam, on top of Demetrius Knight, um, yep. Bengali uh, Kamara coming in. I mean, you you have never mind the fact Fred Johnson, Wendell Gregory. Fred Johnson's gonna be a freak, Mike. You have but, some talented guys coming in. Yeah. Now, does that mean that these guys got to play right away? No, they're freshmen. I understand people are afraid sometimes when they don't play right away, they're gonna leave. Well, you know what? It happens. Okay, it happens. Yep. But if it's not in the best interest of the program, you can't be held hostage by one player. Yeah. Okay. This isn't not... this isn't uh this isn't recess football. I mean, we're talking SEC football. And not to harp on pup, 
But, you know, at the same time, too, I think Pup's going to be a phenomenal college football player. I really do. But at the same time, too, you have to trust the process. And I hope some of these guys that do come in here, they understand that. Because you really think, you really think South Carolina wanted to be playing Debo Williams nearly every freaking snap last year? You really think they wanted to play Stone Blanton with a bummed ankle nearly every snap last year? No, it's because they didn't. They 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 weren't. They felt like maybe the guys behind them weren't at that level yet, where they needed them to be, and that's understandable with a guy like Pup Howard, who's a freshman that came in here. It's going to be a lot when you have to learn it when you're a freshman. Your head's spinning. I don't care what level you're playing at. I mean, shoot, go back to – because I know some of you played high school football. Whether it be going from Pop Warner or even from freshman up to varsity, for crying out loud. Think how how your head was just spinning. I remember my first week in college football. And then you go back to high school and everything seems so much slower. So I say that because – when you're a freshman, every freshman comes in and, I mean, shoot. It doesn't matter what division. I mean, I was guilty. You think you're going to go in, everyone thinks they're going to play right away. It's just how it is. Yeah. A lot of people, especially nowadays. But talking with some former Gamecocks, they still have the they still have the belief that, hey, they should have, and not everyone, but you should have the mentality of, hey, you know what? Go out there, try to pick things up as quick as possible, and we'll, we'll see how things play out. Because if not... I'm going to freaking get big as hell in the gym. Going to continue to get on the right nutritional program. And I'm going to be able to reserve a redshirt year. And the beauty now is you can still play in four games. You can still get out there. You can still post on Instagram, you know, you in your game day outfit running around the field, you know, making a whatever, right? But you're still able to preserve a redshirt year. I think that's just something that people just need to also keep in mind. It's, you know, think about the long-term yeah, long-term game. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll offer some points on Ben Martin Scott just real quick before we hit the ads and then get our final thoughts. But yeah, Ben Martin Scott, I think, you know, he's primed to be the next Debo Williams, right? You know, be step up, be that tackling linebacker. His development was a little bit slower than, than everyone else. Right. But you know, he's really, really come along. Um, and this is what Gamecock fans have wanted, right? Came out of Juco. From, he's an Indiana boy. Uh, so, you know, he he's finally starting to develop and be that number one linebacker. Like you saw, because we would see flashes in the spring games and stuff like that. And there just happened to be more talented guys. Now, you know, Bam's coming along. And, you know, that's I, I fully expect him and Debo Williams to be the starters week one. And then Mokaba, like you mentioned, to help out as well. So um, I, I think Bam is going to be a very, very big piece of this defense. Gilbert Ricky Evans says, well, yeah. don't forget about Gilbert Edmond. I'm going to be interested to see what the plan is with Gilbert. And the reason I say that is there's so much talent in that edge room right now. There's so much talent. So much raw talent. And yeah. when the way, I, the way I look at it before we hit our ads and wrap things up, the way I look at it is, in a way, Gilbert is a – a player that was hurt last year. And again, he wasn't hurt, but he that, that's what it reminds me of the situation. And the reason it reminds me of that is when you get hurt and you come back, what happens? Well, you're at the bottom of the depth chart. You got to work your way back up again. And that's the situation that he's going to currently be in. So the Desmond Umiozulus of the world, 
the guys that were here last year, he's going to be behind them most likely when it comes to getting reps in the spring. And that's the right way to do it. It's not anything against Gilbert. I mean, I would say that about any player for that matter. But I say that because if he's able to make a push for some serious playing time this year, my goodness, two things. One, it shows you how hungry this kid is, which I expect him to be extremely hungry. But I think it also shows you that there's some real dogs in that room. Dylan Stewart, we expect him to be an absolute stud. Desmond Umiozulu, yep. we expect him to be a stud. I mean, you can keep going down the list here with names. So, interested to see how things play out with Gilbert. Having said that, all that, Joe, as I try to do my best here without passing out, what we got here? Liberty Tax. Yeah, Mike, our first sponsor of the day is our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for a refund, call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. That's accurate and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to view and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576, once again, on your screen now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of purchasing your home or you're looking for the lowest rate on the market, which if you've been paying attention to that kind of thing over the last two years, you know that it hasn't been the easiest thing to do. Well, do exactly what? Our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth did when both of them were purchasing their homes. They called Clint. That number, 803-771-6933. Let them know Gamecock Central sent you. All right, Joe. I think that uh, that all but does it today. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, happy to jump on uh Afternoon drive. Glad you're feeling a little bit better. Um, you know, yeah, I told you I was going to do this for 30, but there's just been so much that we haven't been able to talk about. So we did it to 50, but yeah, no, no, it's all good. I mean, there, there's plenty to talk about and it's good to have you back. Ugh. Um, you know, looking forward to, you know, being back in the full swing of things here coming up. Yep. I'm going to go get some, uh, chicken noodle soup oh, yeah. and, uh, yeah. I'm just glad my head's not in a friggin' toilet anymore. That was fun. When you were watching, where you, where, you, where you were looking at Sean Elliott on Tuesday, my head was looking at a toilet. That was fun. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. Yeah, somebody at the baseball game come up to me. He's like, hey, I like the shows that you and Mike. He's like, where's Mike been? I'm like, oh. you know, he's, he's been sick this last week. You'll, you'll, I'll tell you, you I'll tell you who the real MVP is, because I'm sure there's some other guys out there listening, or there could be, you know, a wife or girlfriends out there watching. I'm one of those guys, I'll admit it. I mean, I don't get sick often. When I get sick, I feel like I'm like I'm like on, you know, my deathbed. Shout out to Brooke. Shout out to Brooke. She friggin' she got me right. I mean, I my 
I woke up and like the bed, my next to my bed looked like it was like the CVS, you know, it's like Walgreens or something with, you know, poor girl. I think, you know, she's getting sick now because of me. So, uh, I gotta reciprocate the, uh, TLC she gave me and make sure that she's all right, but we're hanging in there. Uh, I'm not sure next time I'll be out and about making sure we're just slowly easing back into everything. This is probably the, the most normal I've felt since Monday afternoon. So we'll see, but we'll get rested up because spring football coming up. Gamecock men's basketball, of course, they're in action on like Saturday. Look at this. I got one thing for yeah. Martin. Yeah, Martin, we're working on this. This is it's it's in the works. It's it's coming. We're talking to Roman. And that also, Mike, it's a good time to plug uh GC Live foul balls tonight at 6 yeah. p.m. Jack Jack Veltri and I's baseball show. Um, that's gonna be a lot of fun. The Gamecocks are five and zero over at Founders Park, so um, that's been a lot of fun in my first week full time. Craig, I can't even think of the idea of drinking beer. If you said that to me, oh, that's let's see, I don't even know what day it is. Today's Thursday. You lose, tra- you lose track of dates when you're sick. Yeah. Um, if you told me that on, t- oh, the stomach was killing me. Oh, I felt like someone punched me. If you said anything about bourbon or, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if this is the case, Joe. I don't know if I got food poisoning at Bucky's. I mean, I can't see that. I big Bucky's guy, but I had I had one of their. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what led to it, but yeah, I won't be having a a, a, a brisket sandwich anytime soon. I can tell you that much. On top of a uh, bourbon, as Craig says, William Jones says vitamin C. Yes, plenty of it. Some chicken soup coming on up. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. If you missed any of our show, promise we talked about football. If you're just catching the tail end of this, it's not just all health center stuff um, and me uh, just uh, griping about being sick because poor Brooke, she's had to listen to listen to it for the last couple of days. But if you listen, if you missed any of our show and you want to go back and listen to it, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can also subscribe for free anytime one of these GC Live shows drop, or if you want to go back and catch one of these interviews that we had with not just the new transfers, about, what, 15 of those interviews, Joe? Something like that. You can catch all those interviews there. Garnet Trust interviews as well. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network, where you can also subscribe for free. Big Red says, blame Bucky's. Uh, and I love Bucky's cleanest bathrooms out there. Gotta love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> on the, the highway at least. <laughs> All right, he's intern Joe and Mike. You appreciate you guys tuning in. We will see you back on Tuesday for GC Live Talking Tuesdays. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday and enjoy the rest of your weekend.